Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Debrief. This week, Pope Francis and the Portuguese Jesuits, then Laudato Si, part two, and then Bishop Strickland's issuing a pastoral letter. This and more in a moment. Hey, Mike, and welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. Good to see you. So this week, friends, the debrief, well, as every week we try, it's a weekly show where we talk about news, questions, and controversies facing the Catholic Church. I'm Dominic DeSouza, founder of Smart Catholics. And I'm Mike Lewis, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of Where Peter Is. So let's get right into our stories. We have a Jesuit newspaper, La Civilta Católica. <laughs> It released the transcript of a dialogue between the Holy Father and a gathering of Portuguese Jesuits during his trip to Portugal for World Youth Day. Any highlights, Mike, from this interview that are worth sharing? Yes. Yeah, so basically, just to give a brief overview of what this uh, what this is, is pretty much everywhere that Pope Francis travels, where there's a local Jesuit community, he meets with the local Jesuits and uh, sits down and sort of has a freewheeling dialogue. And it's sponsored by... Um, Father Antonio Spadaro, who is the, um, he's an Italian Jesuit who is the editor of this newspaper. He compiles it, he edits it into multiple languages. And then a few weeks after the trip, this, uh, you know, this article comes out and it's usually got some of Francis's more candid, uh, you know, statements. You might recall when he said that there's a certain television network that uh, is doing the work of the devil that came from this you know, from this gathering, I believe in okay. uh, Slovakia. So this this was his chance to sit down with Portuguese Jesuits, and he covered mm -hmm. a, a wide number of issues. But one of them, and it's interesting because it relates to uh, what I've seen from a couple of uh, priests and religious and seminarians who have written into me. It's very reflective of this letter. But there was a a Jesuit who uh, said that he had spent a sabbatical year in the United States. So he's a Portuguese priest. And he said there was one thing that made a great impression on him and even made him suffer. And what he said was that he saw that many Catholics in the United States, including bishops, were criticizing Pope Francis's leadership of the church. And so Pope Francis responded to this, and he responded specifically about the situation in the United States. And we'll link to the entire answer. And I may actually um, see if I can reproduce this one question and answer for uh, where Peter is, because it is it is so related to our country. But part of the answer that he gave was, that Pope Francis gave was, you have seen that in the United States, the situation is not easy. There is a very strong reactionary attitude. It is organized and shapes the way people belong, even emotionally. And I think this is clear. I think what he, uh, it's something that I've been trying to, to point out for a long time and something that where Peter is, has been very aware of. This uh, resistance to Pope Francis, there's no question that there's an organization behind it. Um, whether it's multiple groups or the same group, you see uh, these allegiances, you see these people working together, you see journalists from, LifeSite News and National Catholic Register, Register collaborating to drop, for example, Vigano's testimony on the same day uh, with the translation by a particular journalist that's affiliated with both organizations. Um, you see that the dubia was 
a coordinated media attempt. Um, we've seen efforts, I don't know if they're related or not, but they're certainly of the same accord to try to oust him from the papacy, these petitions. It seems like every month from about 2017 until 2021, there was a different manifesto or petition or open letter or statement from some public famous Catholic, uh, basically coordinated to undermine the Pope, to question his orthodoxy, to accuse him of heresy, one after another after another. And these people are organizing together. I Obviously, we don't know the entire context because they are clearly not trying to make their um, their sources of funding and their who knows whom and who's writing what public, but uh, people have some ideas and some people have come forward with information about this. Um, but regarding the actual ideology and what ordinary Catholics, what this has done to ordinary Catholics is um, it, it's fairly tragic. Um, he, just, he talked about, once again, indiatrismo, uh, which means going backward in this in this article it was translated as being backward looking um and this is this is what he describes uh the traditionalist ideology as being uh he said it is useless and we need to understand that there is an appropriate evolution in the understanding of matters of faith and morals um and note, he said, he did use the word evolution. He didn't say there's an evolution in doctrine, but there is definitely an evolution and a development in the way that we understand Catholic doctrines nowadays. The emphasis on human dignity, for example, the emphasis yeah. on uh -huh. violence not being the answer. Um, he said, he gave some examples. He said, today it is, a, it is a sin to possess atomic bombs. The death penalty is a sin. You cannot employ it. But that was not so before. As for slavery, it points out some pontiffs before me tolerated it, but things are different today. Um, I think that the main, the, the two main elements in the development of doctrine today uh, tend to do with human dignity and the understanding of personal culpability, of subjective culpability. In a, in a post-Christian culture, to expect people to in, into it and to uh, automatically live out um, a Christian moral life is it is difficult to expect nowadays, given the culture yeah. where people are coming from, given their background. Um, and so there needs to be a greater emphasis on what guilt do people have for this? What kind of patience do we need to have for people who don't understand the teachings, who don't grasp them? Um, can our teachings withstand uh, the modern mindset. Um, I, I mean, I think this has been a battle ever since Vatican II. Um, a lot of times, the complaints that are made against the church regarding insensitivity, intolerance, I think a lot of them are founded in perfectly Christian principles, but they aren't being applied to our teaching in a lot of cases. So I think um, this is something that we need to, not, not that we should sanction sin, not that we should change core doctrines, but we need to be able to articulate our doctrines in the context of a modern culture and to be able to understand the impact of our present day on modern thought, modern actions, the way people behave, the way people think.
Um, and this is something that Pope Francis has been engaging, um, but other people will describe him as modernist or describe him as heretical. Um, Francis also noted about the US church that there is a climate of closure. Um, he said, and I quote, and there you can lose the true tradition and turn to ideologies for support. In other words, ideology replaces faith, membership of a sector of the church replaces membership of the church. So yeah. I mean, I think I think we can see that this is evident today, especially in the anti-Francis movement in the church. Yeah. We it's you know, people associate being Catholic with doing Catholic things. They mm -hmm. associate it with uh, you know, which parish you go to, what kind of liturgy you prefer, um, who you vote for. Uh, these are things that people like to associate with true Catholicism and not to understand that we are all united by our baptism and incorporated into the Church of Jesus Christ and that we are unified perfectly or imperfectly, but by our baptism, we are all united to Christ and we are all joined to the church, even, even fallen away Catholics or baptized non-Catholics are in some way incorporated into the yeah. church. And, um, and we can't just make it tribal. And of course, what is the visible source of unity in the church, according to the catechism? Here's, here's the catechism yeah. quiz. There you go. The Holy Father. I mean, exactly. just this fidelity to, to him in his role. The Yeah. Just this past week, I saw this great quote, or I was re-reminded of this great quote. We so often confuse the reality of the church with the reality of the institution uh, and how there there is a distinction. There is a difference, but we can get confused. Was there anything else on that uh, from this conversation that you wanted yeah, to Yeah, I mean, it was a, you know, it's a, it's a long read. I think it's, a, it's close to 6,000 words, but he provided interesting responses on uh, different issues. He, he had just released his letter to Roman... Um, the Roman clergy, which I haven't, you haven't covered it where Peter is, and we'll we'll add the link to that. But he condemns uh, a worldly spirituality or spiritual worldliness. Um, okay. He also is asked about ministry to the LGBT community, mm -hmm. um, what it means. Uh, you know, there was a question about the sexual morality, and he he once again affirmed what the church teaches about mm -hmm. homosexuality, but. He said that in today's culture, a lot of people aren't necessarily ready to embrace that teaching and we need to be right. welcoming to everyone. And he also gave an interesting anecdote about the group of transgender people who have been coming to his Wednesday audiences. They were basically this nun that uh, lives near the the Romans, uh, the um, Circus Maximus in Rome. Um, asked if she could bring, she ministers to them, runs a shelter, I think, and she asked if she could bring a group uh, to come see him one week, a few years ago. And apparently they've been coming ever since, which surprised yeah. him. <laughs> um, so, and, and it's basically the fact that, you know, he quoted one who, who was just crying, uh, because she had, she just never thought that the Pope would ever welcome her. Yeah. Um, and he also said that, uh, he was asked about what weighs on him when he says, pray for me. And he spoke of, a joy, which is the upcoming synod, which he sees a lot of promise in. And he also spoke about the thing that weighs on him the most is war ongoing, mm -hmm. um, especially, I guess, the war in uh, in Russia and Ukraine right now, because yeah. 
war is hell. And um, I mean, that's those are my own words, but I get the sense that yeah. he sees, you know, he lived through the dirty war in Argentina. Mm -hmm. He grew up in a generation of World War One and World War Two veterans. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I think he understands that war ultimately brings evil, um, mm -hmm. even though obviously we have a right to defend ourselves if we're attacked. Right. There's a different, um, there's something. That's a whole nother discussion there, but it's a whole nother yeah. discussion. But the thing is, peace is always favorable yes. to war. And if there is any alternative, like war is an absolute last resort. Well, I love how he points out, what is it? War is the breakdown of, of politics or dialogue. I think, yeah. Um, I don't like know the exact quote, but that's, that sounds exactly like him. Yeah. It's when dialogue ends, that's when war begins. Yeah. So speaking of recent news then, um, and current issues, there's uh, he was speaking off the cuff recently to a delegation of lawyers last week, and he said he was writing a second part of his encyclical Laudato Si to, quote, update it to current issues. What does this mean? Uh, is it going to be a new encyclical? Uh, is he right? Well, yeah. Where does that go? Honestly, we don't know. Um, it was the first mention that he had made that and the, the wording that he used an update. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to interpret that. Um, the Francis didn't elaborate in that particular conversation. The Vatican press office, I think the next day or two days later, issued a statement and it said the new updated version of Laudato Si will focus in particular on the most recent extreme weather events and catastrophes mm -hmm affecting people across five continents. Now, it's interesting factoid is in the US, we learn about seven continents. I don't know, when you were in school and learning about the continents, how many did they teach you there were? Apparently, uh, he learned that there were five. So, <laughs> and I think that's the European method, but- um, Well, I doubt you'd include Antarctica, but you're still missing one, aren't we? I, I don't know. I don't know. I think they combine uh, maybe Asia and Australia. I, I have no idea how it works. Um, or the Americas, maybe count as one. Eurasia is one. It no, is... they would. Europe wants to be its own continent, but that's that's a whole trivia. I don't know. Maybe our, our okay. commenters can, be on this can show. explain going. the numbering of the. It's just like the numbering of the ocean. Drop in the comments, people. Is it five or is it seven? Um. So uh, one of the other things in the statement, which was really he was just quote uh, Matteo Bruni, the um, Vatican spokesman, was basically quoting from uh, Laudato Si and from other statements that um, Pope Francis had made on the environment. Um, he talked about the, the concept of human e ecology. Um, and this is something I think, okay. even though people talked about Laudato Si in terms of climate change, in terms of uh, modern climate phenomena that scientists are need to address. People pointed to the use of air conditioning and fossil fuels, but really what uh, the key theological theme in Pope Francis's encyclical and the thing that will be the longest lasting, I think, um, part of it, aspect of it that was that broke new ground was this concept of everyone is interconnected. Mm -hmm. um, that what rich countries do winds up affecting poor countries in the case of, you know, in the case of climate, uh, you know, carbon emissions that come from the United States or Russia or, or other countries have reverberations uh, with people who live near the equator who tend to be right. uh, closer to the poverty line. And so mm -hmm. uh, we can't we can't think that what we do doesn't affect people around the world. 
So this mm -hmm. is something, and I know Tony Annette has spoken about this at length. Um, he suggested that that would be the lasting legacy of the encyclical. But as for whether it's going to be a new encyclical, whether, I mean, this would be really innovative if it's going to be like literally a revised or updated Laudato Si, like second edition. That would be really innovative because that's... Yeah. Um, that's never been I, done. Yeah, or if it's going to be another kind of document, whether mm -hmm. it's going to be like the Bill of Rights that's tacked on to the Constitution and it technically is part of the Constitution. You know, I don't know. There's We don't know what's going to come out. I think it would be interesting to see another encyclical on similar themes, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe take the, uh, the next line from the poem or something like that as the title, mm -hmm. uh, the Laudato Si poem as the title, but, um, and just to, to expand on a lot of those themes, but no idea. Honestly, no idea. we'll okay. have to. Well, speaking of documents, our, our final story today takes us once again back to the Diocese of Tyler, Texas, and Bishop Joseph Strickland, who issued a pastoral letter to his diocese on Tuesday regarding an evil and false message that has invaded the church. What was that letter about? What are the concerning elements? Well, I think, first of all, I think at this point, based on Bishop Strickland's behavior, it's it's fairly clear that I don't think he sees himself staying in this role uh, for much longer. He's had the he's had the apostolic visitation. He's only become more extreme since uh, since that happened. He's wow. made statements against the Pope. Um, now, if you look at the the letter on the surface, it just comes across as maybe a moralistic. These are some some elements mm -hmm. of Catholic doctrine, sacramental, moral, and, um, you know, uh, Christological facts. Um, and it's, it's seven facts, but at the beginning and at the end, he does make some curious, curious statements. Um, he claim he warns once again about the synod, which is the exact opposite view of Pope Francis. Pope Francis has tried to put the challenges to the Catholic faith in context. He's tried to, uh, the Pope has tried to implore us to trust that the Holy Spirit is guiding the magisterium of the church and that the doctrine of the church can develop in continuity with tradition, but it can't be reversed. But this is what um, Bishop Strickland continues to say. Um, he also, once again, and, and this is the fourth time by my count, that he has mm -hmm. incorrectly defined the term schism, which is, yeah. which, I mean, to me, when it seems that the bishop has aligned himself with the, uh, with the schismatic element in the church, the people who seem to want to break from Rome, um, it's troubling that Bishop Strickland, who on his radio show regularly says, I've always said, if I say something that doesn't align with the catechism, that you need to correct me and I will correct it. And he's a canon lawyer. Now, both canon law and the catechism say that schism is the refusal of submission to the Roman pontiff and to those who are in communion with him or refusal of communion to those who are in communion with him. But that refusal of submission to the Roman pontiff is key. It is why Archbishop Lefebvre 
and the SSPX bishops were excommunicated. It is why um, Martin Luther was excommunicated. It's why Dollinger, who was the, the opponent of papal infallibility, was excommunicated. It is the refusal of submission to the Roman pontiff because as Catholics, the Pope is the visible source of unity in the church. But for whatever reason, well, my worry is that there is a concrete reason. Bishop Strickland has redefined it. And in this document, he says, regrettably, it may be that some will label as schismatics those who disagree with the changes being proposed. Be assured, however, that no one who remains firmly upon the plumb line of our Catholic faith is schismatic. Um, I mean, it, I don't know. I, Michael Lofton had a pretty good reply to, to this, and, and we'll link to that video. Um, but he seems to be once again avoiding the fact that sticking with the Pope is avoiding schism. Mm -hmm. And to me, it sounds like he's saying, I'm not schismatic, you're schismatic. And then I was just poking in on, on Twitter the other day and I saw how there's been a firestorm created around Scott Hahn supporting Strickland's statement and you recently wrote about that and then garnered more than a little heat over that. Any quick comments? Yeah, I mean, just quickly, and I, you know, I wrote uh, one of my shorter pieces actually, but I saw that um, Scott Hahn uh, commended Bishop Strickland for that statement. Mm -hmm. um, as you know, as most of the listeners know, Scott Hahn is a very popular convert to the Catholic Church from uh, Presbyterianism. He's an outspoken speaker. He's a best-selling author. He's a publisher. He, uh, you know, is a is a frequent guest on podcasts. Um, he's an evangelist. He's he's affected a lot of our faith. I've probably spent a hundred. 200 bucks on, on Scott Hahn materials in my life, yeah, which is why when after Francis got elected, his silence when mm. it came to defending the Pope and his, for lack of a better term, sidling up to Cardinal Burke, uh, Vigano, Archbishop um, or Bishop Athanasius Schneider, and now Strickland has uh, been more than a little concerning. Um, mm. He published a book by... Um, it was a book-length interview of Gerald Murray, uh, Father Gerald Murray from EWTN's Papal Posse. It's very critical of the Pope. And now he's scheduled to speak in Tyler in October. Well, to me, this is alarming. This is, I, I mean, God love him for all the good that he did, but it seems that like so many Catholics that we have long respected, he's um, he's aligning himself with, with Bishop Strickland. But unfortunately... It seems that more people care about whether or not Scott Hahn is being criticized than the fact that the Pope is being criticized. I mean, the firestorm over yes. one article compared to the things that Strickland has said about the Pope mm -hmm. is is alarming. The fact that Gerald Murray's book got published and, and nobody had any criticism of it is alarming. Um, I don't know what else to say. It, it, it grieves me. It's not like I'm 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 dunking on Scott Hahn, um, but I think the public has a right to know, and maybe he needs to. Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe he needs to clarify himself where he stands with mm -hmm. regard to the magisterium and the authority of the Pope. 
And there you have it, friends. That's the debrief for this week. <laughs> Thanks for all of that, Mike. Uh, there's a whole lot of available links, so please check the descriptions. And uh, yeah, so you can do do more research for some of the comments made. Amazing stuff. Gosh, what a week. Uh, this conversation is brought to you by smartcatholics.com. It's the free online community for millennials, creators, and learners. Join the private where Peter is grouped to ask questions, share your own insights, and then suggest topics for next time. And visit where Peter is to read articles, commentaries, spiritual reflections um, by and for faithful Catholics who support the mission and vision of Pope Francis. Please share the episode with family, friends, uh, followers, perhaps. Hit the subscribe button so that you never miss an episode of The Debrief. And, and do hit the like button. It'll help the algorithm push this out to more people. That's right. We're getting close to a thousand. And once we get there, then everything goes wild bets are off yeah yeah <laughs> and support where peter is on patreon if you can uh spare the change uh so that we can continue to bring you this show and other valuable content yeah mike labors hundreds of hours every week it is a labor of love but we do need to uh, to support him and the wpi team thanks for joining us friends if when it comes to news and controversies in the catholic church stay curious informed and engaged god bless you goodbye god bless mm -hmm.